This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. We continue today in our sermon series, Built on the Rock. We began with our discussion of that simple story from Jesus as he concluded the Sermon on the Mount about two builders representing all who would hear his words. The wise builder represents those who hear his words and do what, what he says. Uh, a wise builder who built a house on a, a foundation of rock. And when the storms of life came, that house stood firm. The foolish builder represents those who hear the words of Jesus and, and don't do what he says. Like a, a foolish builder who found sand as a foundation, built his house on that sand. And when the storms of life came, the winds, the rain, the rising waters, his house came crashing down around him. We've continued talking about what it is to build on the rock as Jesus is our cornerstone, our foundation and guide. Uh, We're going to finish up next week uh, talking about building each other up. Today, we're going to talk about uh, the way that we build, the labor that's involved and recognize that everything we build must be empowered, supported, sustained by the Lord so that our labor will be effective. So it'll be meaningful and purposeful. Have you ever, you ever had the experience of, of working and realizing that your work was wasted? I'm, I'm painting our house right now, not the outside, the inside. I'm painting the living room, hallways, stairwell, and I'm not painting it because the old paint failed and it needs new paint. I'm painting because the last color we chose wasn't good. We, we went to the hardware store and we picked out all of the grays that they had. This is what my, my wife loves to do. She'll get all the little swatches of color, the whole range. We brought them all home and went through. We looked in the daylight with sun coming in the window. We checked against the couch and the carpet and the woodwork. We held it in different spots. We waited until the evening and turned on the lamps so there would be different lighting to check the color, the shades, make sure it was the best color. And we picked one. It's great. Moved the furniture, pulled off the outlet covers and the light switch covers, prepped everything. Started painting. Painted second coat. Painted a third coat. We're a three-coat family, minimum. Can't see any little speckles of old paint beneath. We make, just make that known. Looked great. Put the outlet covers back on. Moved all the furniture back. Sat down to enjoy. An evening came. And the sun went down and some shadows cast in the corners of the room. Does that look purple to you? It does. That gray is violet gray. It's got this undertone that comes out in in the shadows. Our walls are purple. I went through all that work for nothing. And so we picked out a better gray. And I am now most of the way through a second coat of Wonderful, beautiful gray. We had some friends come over with the old, the old paint. And so, you know, that looks like it's got a little ombre to it. Okay. 
It's ugly to me, but if you call it ombre, that's fine. It's, it's, it's purple. And so we had to, to redo the paint because the color was just wrong. Now, that's been my experience sometimes when I do projects. I'll start to put something together and realize I missed a step way back here at the beginning and have to undo all of the things that I did and then fix the thing I missed and redo. Have you had that experience where you, you work and you labor and you feel like you're getting close to the end only to realize I got to do it all, all again. There's a verse that comes to mind for me. Whenever I find myself in that situation, it's from the 127th Psalm, just the beginning of the first verse of that Psalm. There's also a, a song with these words in it. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the workers labor in vain. I don't know if you've used that word very often laboring in vain. I don't usually say, I've just labored in vain. I've got to paint my walls again. But we hear that word about taking the Lord's name in vain. I looked up vain in the dictionary and felt like it was appropriate. And, and it was a really long entry. Usually definitions are short, but, but what vanity is, it, it describes things that have no real value. They're idle and worthless. Something that's vain is marked by futility or ineffectualness without success or result. And so we find ourselves when the Lord is not building our house, we find ourselves laboring in vain and, and performing superficial demonstrations, spinning our wheels, redoing things that we've done before. When we labor in vain, we're keeping up appearances, checking off boxes, things that we know we should be doing, even though we're not really in investing our hearts in those actions. We're fabricating an illusion. You know, there's a lot of effort in maintaining a facade. There's a lot of effort in, in keeping up the image that we want people to believe about ourselves, especially when it isn't true. It's hard to do. And that, that effort is vanity. It's, it's worthless. You know, there are times when we do this spiritually and our relationship with the Lord, our spiritual lives are vain. They're a show, a demonstration. There are times where we worry a lot about keeping up those appearances, of having people believe that we're spiritually deep, that there's substance to us in our relationship with God. And sometimes we go through the motions, we check off the boxes. Even when we pray out loud, we worry about what people think about the things we're saying when we pray. Isn't that, isn't that sad? We're praying to the Lord God Almighty, and yet we're worried about what people will think about the depth of our faith based off what we say when we communicate to the Lord. And yet we, we do. It's a, it's a natural part of our, our response. We worry about what that image looks like. It's a part of, a part of our lives in general. Have you, ever, have you ever felt that your work the patterns of life, the goals that you have for the future. Have you ever felt like they're an exercise in futility? That you're just spinning your wheels. That, that there's a lot of effort, but no real value. It's really helpful for us to take, take a moment when we get it, to stop and evaluate, to think about the path that we're on, the trajectory of our lives, to weigh our motives and our effectiveness so that we can discover those aspects of our life that are meaningful and purposeful. And, and also 
identify those parts of our lives that, that lack that same kind of value and address those areas and add purpose and meaning to them and bring them out of that vanity and into this genuine authenticity of, of life. As we discover how to do that, we're called to, to trust God, to build the house for his purpose. Because unless the Lord builds the house, the labor's in vain. And so as we, as we get all of the details of life under his control, we have to begin to trust him, <clears throat> trust him to, to build the house for his purpose. And, and building on the rock is, is exactly that. It's an exercise in trust. And we all agree that, that it's valuable to, to build our house on the rock. We all agree it's valuable to, to trust God. We see that it's necessary for our spiritual growth, for our, our, our healthy relationship with the Lord. And yet we have this difficulty submitting when it, when it comes time to let go. That's the hard bar. We want to, we want to, we want to, pull back that control. We want, to, we, want to, we want to latch onto it and keep it for ourselves. We have, we have real trouble just taking back that control for a lot of reasons. Sometimes we, 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 we take that back because we don't want to admit that we need help. We don't want to stand before the Lord and say, God, I really want to, to serve you faithfully. I just, I don't know how, and I, and I need your help to do it. There are other times where we don't want to admit that, that we've failed or that we're risking failure. We come before the Lord and we want to submit to him. And yet we pull back control because we know if we keep all of the, the details under our control, we can guarantee a level of success. And if we let go and surrender to his will and his way, there's risk involved. There, that, that element of trust means that we're risking failure. And we don't want to have to come before the Lord and say, God, I'm, I, I tried it, but I, I failed. There, there's there's a, a pride. That, that keeps us from humbling ourselves before the Lord and admitting our own faults and failures. And yet that's the very place we need to be when we experience them is at the foot of the cross, surrendering them to the Lord. Sometimes we, we wrestle back control simply because we want to feel the accomplishment of having, having delivered on our own. We want, we want the recognition of a job well done. There's a part of us that craves that validation. We want to be self-sufficient. We want to do it our way. And that's a big part of it. We take back control because we don't want to have to submit to anyone else's way, even, even God's way. We don't want to be bound by our, anyone else's plans. We don't want to have to give up that control. And so we hold on to it. We have trouble releasing it. And, and we find ourselves working for our own glory. We find ourselves working to, to elevate ourselves in the eyes of God, in the eyes of other people, working for that image, working to, to fabricate this illusion. And, and we discover that all of that labor is in vain. It's all wasted effort because the object is me. And the results of that labor are, are temporary. They don't last. When, when we work for those things that, that are temporary, we, we, we hear that, that they lack a lasting impact. Jesus talked about this. He said that they'll, they'll all pass away. 
in Matthew chapter 6. He said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Those things that, that last. When we work for them, we, we find that we're making an investment in eternity. And that investment is the investment of our hearts. And each and every one of us has to decide where we're going to invest our hearts because our heart will follow our treasure. And the thing that we work for will become our treasure. You see the, the chain of events that follows. We're investing our hearts. When we, when we live for the world, when we strive to attain the things of this world, our heart will grow to love those things. When we live for the Lord, when we work for his kingdom, we're investing our heart in him. Our love for him will grow as we adjust our focus from the temporary things of this world to the eternal things of God. Our heart will grow to love him more. Our relationship with him will deepen as we, we work and submit to his guidance and his leading in our life. Our heart will begin to long for eternity as it follows our investment in the kingdom. We'll start to long for those eternal things. And it's all about where we point our focus, all about where we spend our time and, and, and place our effort and invest our hearts. It's an important decision that we each have to make, but it's difficult for us. We acknowledge the value, but it's hard to let go of our former pursuits. Those things that we've been chasing after. We've been doing it for so long. It's, it's so difficult to change course. We've lived our lives pursuing stability and security. This place where we don't have to worry so much. This place where we feel peace and confidence. And we chase after stability and security. We chase after what stability and security wealth might offer us. And we work to, to get out of debt. We work to, to not have to worry about our monthly payments and staying in the black and getting out of the red it's a, it's a very troubling, worrisome place to be. And we work hard to, to build some stability and, and security through, the, through wealth. And it means we have to work harder and spend more hours to build up those funds. We work for stability and security uh, in our jobs, uh, of finding sustainable work. We don't have to worry about what's coming next. We don't have to worry about whether or not we'll have a job next week or next month, but we can feel that stability and, and security with our health. We, we eat right and, and work out and try to bring ourselves physically to a place. We don't have to worry about the next diagnosis or the next visit to the doctor and, and, and the anticipation of what they might say. And yet it's fleeting. There's no guarantees. We, we, pursue security and stability with insurance. And we buy more insurance to protect the things that we have from a wide variety of calamities and spend more money to protect ourselves from different kinds of calamities. It's just spinning of our wheels, a pursuit of the sense of stability and security that we may never fully attain if we're chasing the wrong kinds of things. We've been working towards the eternal, but in order to do that, we have to over, overcome old patterns of our life, old, old patterns of thinking, old, old patterns of behavior. 
We need to work against those ingrained ways of thinking and go against the grain. And instead of thinking about, about our own gain and prosperity, we think about sacrifice and generosity. We, we think about what it will take for us to reach for the eternal and move out of the well-worn paths of our, of our ingrained behaviors. Instead of following the rut that we're in, we, we step out of that ditch and forge a new path. And it's difficult. We have to cut away the branches and the brambles and the weeds. And we have to, we have to ford through the streams and go through the mud. And yet we find ourselves in that extra effort, finding a more meaningful way through life as we follow where the Lord is leading us. It's not easier. It's better and more beneficial because we're turning our focus from the regular things of this world to the things of God that call us in a different direction. And it's not anything new that we're dealing with. This isn't something that modern Christians are now struggling with in a way that no one has before. Paul was dealing with the same kinds of thinking in the church in Corinth. He wrote to them to talk to them about the issues that were present among the church. We're tearing them apart, jealousy, uh, pursuing their own wants and desires, fighting against each other because of which spiritual leader they were following. And Paul wrote to them to, to help them see the value of working for the Lord, of building with quality that lasts increasing the effectiveness of, of working together. Have you, have you had the opportunity to realize that the, the value of working for things that last and, and the reality that you get what you paid for? And sometimes you find a really good deal on something nice and it's cheap, but usually if it's, if it's inexpensive, it isn't going to last. The things that are made with better quality, the things that are made to last are going to cost you a little bit more. Last year when we were decorating for Christmas, this is the anniversary of our Christmas, de Christmas decorations. We're going to decorate again today after our meal. Uh, last year, Sean, Becca asked Sean to build a light bright. this huge photo backdrop display. He built the frame, got the plywood, marked out the holes for the light bright light pegs. And uh, my job was to drill holes in the plywood for those pegs to go in. And so I went to the hardware store, the wrong hardware store, and I bought a, a hole saw. And the size I needed wasn't a standard size. It was a different size. And so I had to buy the store brand because they had that specific size. And so I brought it in and uh, started cutting holes. This is what a hole saw looks like. If you've not seen one, it's a, it's a curled saw blade. You put it in a drill. It's got a drill belt, a little jig, and you use a drill and it spins and cuts a hole. It's fantastic. I don't use them very often. So it was a rare treat for me to drill dozens of holes in a giant piece of plywood. And what I found as I started that process, it's loud, it's difficult. I got through one hole, zoom, two holes, zoom, on the third hole, da, 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 the drill started shaking on me. It was terrible. And I just kept at it like, okay, maybe I'm just doing it wrong. I'm not sure. I don't use these very often. Blah, 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 blah. And so I was like, Sean, come here, look at this, see if I'm doing it wrong. And so he grabbed it and tried to guide it and see, and sure enough, it did it for him. The, the place where the saw attached to the jig, the metal broke. It was worn away because it was cheap. And the hole that it cut was jagged and loose, was bigger than the others because it was wobbling all the way through. Terrible. So I went back to the same store, returned it, got a replacement thinking maybe that one's bad. Brought the new one back here. Zoom one, zoom two. The same thing. It was terrible. I went back to return it and the lady, the lady at the counter said, oh yeah, we, we get these returned a lot. They just break. 
Really? You're selling th- this stuff that you know isn't going to last. I used it for the job it was intended to do, and it won't even do that. Like, I understand if I was using it for something else, which I would probably have tried, but I wasn't. I was using it for the right purpose, and it still didn't last. It's terrible. So I got my money, and I went to the right hardware store, and I bought a name brand, Wholesaw. It says white and blue on it. I'm not going to tell you the brand, but it's name brand. And what I found was the metal is of higher quality. It was built to last. And it was more expensive. I didn't want to pay more for it. I like a good deal. I was reluctant to spend more money, but... Ultimately, I was really glad I did because after the 30 dozen hole, it was still working well. And it was easier on my body not to have to have my bones rattled while I was trying to drill with a saw to get the job done. Maybe you've had that experience with something you bought. You bought something cheap and that thing didn't last because it was made poorly. As you think about your life in the Lord, as you begin trusting him to build your house, you'll find that he's developing in you this this better quality of life. He's growing in you character that's better than it was before. It has to it this eternal quality. But, but recognize, as he's doing that, the process has a cost. It's going to require discipline for you to invest your heart in the process fully. It's going to require sacrifice from you to let go of the things that you love, that you want, so that God can build into your life things that are better and eternal. There is a cost involved, but it's so worth it to allow the Lord to build in you this true quality that will last. This is what, what we're reminded of in this passage from Paul. This is what I, what I began introducing before that long story. Here, we're going to get to the passage now, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And Paul began confronting the believers there because they were, they were claiming a following with him and with Apollos. I, I'm a Paulian Christian. I will follow Apollos. And here's what he said. Well, what, what is Apollos after all? And, and what's Paul? Only servants. Through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted seeds. Apollos watered it. God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we're co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God's given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If it has been built, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know 
that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Now, Paul was warning against the tension, the jealousy that was tearing the church apart. The believers were aligning themselves with different leaders. Paul reminded them they should be working together for the kingdom, not toward their own purposes, not for their own cause or their own side, working for the Lord, building his house, the place where his spirit would dwell among them. And their focus was off. And we have that same kind of tendency, don't we? To get so wrapped up in in the things that we want. That that we lose lose focus on the the purpose. We get wrapped up in in building ourselves up and, and shoring up our side of an argument, of drawing people to align with us when what we really should be doing is working for the kingdom and building the house of God, the place where his spirit dwells among us so that together we have this unity, this, this eternal value to what we're doing that lasts. In order for us to get there, we have to recognize the value of what God is doing as he's calling us to work well with others. There's such value there. The value that begins when we, we recognize that working together in cooperation means working in progression from what others have done. Instead of just trusting our own work, we have to practice trust in other people. And we do that so that, that every time we get together, we don't have to start from scratch. We don't have to go back to Genesis and, and rehash the elementary teachings of Scripture no, we can, we can trust the teachings that have come before, move on to more meatier kinds of teaching towards spiritual growth. We know that every one of us has come from different places, have had teaching from other people and other churches, other family members. So you think back to your spiritual journey. There are a variety of people who've been involved in helping you get to the place where you are today. Maybe you grew up in a, in a home, spiritual home, where Parents invested in you spiritually. A grandparent invested in you spiritually. Maybe, maybe you had a, a best friend who, who brought you to church and, and helped introduce you to Christ. And maybe that church isn't, wasn't Parkview. You've been at other churches before and you've heard other ministers and you've had other Sunday school teachers and you've, you've had teaching from other individuals. There's value in that process. And there's an element of trust in, in that teaching being accurate according to the Bible, that theology being true and accurate and, and building not from the beginning, but from, from, from that place where they stopped and continuing on and, and trusting that while we are gathered together, at some point you're going to hear from other people as well. And I have to trust that wherever I stopped, that next person who's investing in your spiritual life will take you, point you beyond where we are today. It's an exercise in trust as we work towards spiritual growth. And Paul tells us it's the same way we work in the process of evangelism. But sometimes we're just planting seeds in the lives of people. We're, we're talking about the, the simple truths about Jesus Christ. We're, we're expressing his love and kindness, planting those seeds that hopefully will take root in the lives of people. Maybe we, we encounter a person who's already heard a little bit about Jesus and we get to water those seeds. Maybe we're, we're 
tending the soil and adding fertilizer. Maybe we're building a, a greenhouse over that area so that the growth will happen in the most effective way. We're helping with the conditions of that growth. But what we understand is that it's God who produces the growth in each person. And we're simply contributing to the process of their, journey, their spiritual journey in any number of ways. And it doesn't matter how small or large the contribution is, it will still yield the intended result when we're faithful in that work, because it's a work that will last. And we have to trust that process of working together with others, building off of the foundation that was already laid in Christ, making our contribution and knowing that God is going to continue working in each and every one of those lives to draw people toward him. In the same way he's done that with us. The second thing we learn about working in cooperation with other people is that our effort is amplified when we work together. We can do things together that we can't do alone. I got a shipment from Amazon a little while ago, a big whiteboard. It wasn't very heavy, but the box was, you know, whiteboard shaped. And there was a little stamp on the box that said, two-person lift, and the little stick figures with a box between them. It was a really, really helpful demonstration. In case I was going to attempt to lift this awkward thing by myself, well, I can see by the stamp, this is not going to go well. What I've learned in life, here's just a little tip for you. Whenever you lift weight, even if it's not very heavy, whenever you lift it away from center mass, it's not going to go well. For me, that means I'm not going to be able to move for a couple of days after that because my back is going to go. Even if it's light, if the, if the shape of the box is awkward, you shouldn't be trying to lift that yourself because it's going to do you harm. You need the help of other people. You might be able to manage by yourself, but it would be so much easier and more effective if you invited someone else to join you in the process. Sometimes things are just too heavy for you to do alone. Sometimes things are, are just too big for you to handle well, even if they're not very heavy. And the difficulty is saying to someone else, hey, I need help. That's a hard thing to do. It shouldn't be, but every one of us on some level struggles with that phrase. I can't do this. I need your help. Maybe it's the person you're asking. Maybe it's, it's you in your heart struggling with that idea. But we've all been in that place where we've had to say, would you please, do you have time? I really could use some help. And what we discover in that process is that when we invite other people alongside us, we grow from the experience. And when we work together in cooperation, the effort is beneficial to everyone involved. It's beneficial to you and it's beneficial to me. Why? Because we grow from the process. As we're working together, I learn from you. I learn new ways of doing things. I learn better ways of doing things most often. But I also learn more about you. As we're working and talking, we grow together. And God uses that time of cooperation in us to, to help us develop personally and to build unity among us. As we're learning from one another, we're deepening our relationships. And that's what God is calling us to recognize as, as, as his church. We are the temple of God and his spirit dwells among us. And our work together isn't about me and it's not about you. It's not about getting our way. It's not about, about victory and accomplishment, although they're fun to celebrate. The goal is growing closer to him. The goal is having our work be, be purposeful and meaningful for eternity that we would invest our hearts and our, our lives in something that isn't going to just pass away, but it's something that's going to continue on. That's going to yield value in the lives of people. 
And we begin changing our focus when we recognize that we're working for the Lord as if we're building his house. Yes, he's helping us build our houses and helping us grow, but our efforts together are for his kingdom and for his glory. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the message from you. Where we thank you for the way that you, you point our attention back to our need for you. God, I pray that you would help us to let go. You would help us to recognize those, those parts of our lives that are, that are such wasted effort so that we can hand them over and allow you to draw us into more purposeful things. God, I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts and our lives and grow us toward this eternal quality that we would invest ourselves in things that last for your sake, for your kingdom, and for your glory. God, we thank you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.